introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. tweeted something controversial. Uh, I'm so sorry, but I actually have quite a few people that agree with me. Anyway, uh, this week is Allison Frost and my podcast pimp, aka Stuart Savage, aka Savage, aka Stewbrew, aka Stewie Bear, uh, but he has been kind of getting on me, not literally, figuratively, Matt, okay, uh, about getting Allison Frost on the podcast and I reached out to her not too long ago and just because of emails getting lost in the fray um, it, uh, it it became something that just got put on the back burner but finally I was like I'm gonna get an interview with Allison if it kills me and uh, luckily I'm not dead because I wouldn't have been able to do the intro or publish the podcast but finally got to quote unquote, sit down with Allison. We were both sitting, so I guess it's technically a sit down interview, but uh, got to talk to Allison and it was everything that Stuart said it would be. My podcast pimp comes through again, just again, not making money off of it. So uh, I'm not sure when he will quit his job or uh, muscle me into to giving him a dime or two. But anyway, I had a great time interviewing Allison and it was just a casual conversation uh, and it was really great. Uh, it was very similar. I keep saying, oh, I apologize, but it was similar to when I interviewed Stuart, uh, minus the sitting at a bar part, but I'm sure if I could have, Allison would have been fine with that, but that damn coronavirus. But anyway, uh, so please, please, please enjoy this interview with Allison. Uh, before I get to that, though, I did see Stuart this weekend because um, he had some sound issues, and I'm not a sound guy. And his students were freaking amazing. But it was my first time to go to Carnegie Vanguard and see the space. And I don't know what everybody's complaining about. I don't know what he's complaining about. Always complaining about, it's small, it's a small space. Yeah, it is, but it's it's a beautiful space. It's really cool. And so I was really impressed with Carnegie Vanguard's theater and all of the students and the knowledge of these kids. But they're putting on a show and they wanted to record it and put it, uh, you know, record the sound to video and since I'm a professional sound person now having done a movie this past summer and doing this podcast I would call myself a professional sound guy so anyway so I helped him and also I'm in a show I'm in a show I'm doing a staged reading I am the middle-aged 40 year old white man in a show about the Tulsa riots in the 20s and I'm enjoying the hell out of it even though my one note that I've been given by my director, Destiny Renee Miller, is that I sound too aggressive, and this is a problem I've had all my life. So if before Friday, any of you formerly aggressive speakers have any advice for somebody that is still struggling with the aggression in his voice, please reach out to me and tell me how I can be less aggressive sounding, please. It's also something my dad used to tell me all the time, like, you sound super aggressive and I would always say, Dad, I'm not being, you know, so, and my sister still says, it's just, it's just a problem I have, but I keep on trekking on. So if you have any advice on how to not sound so aggressive, I think it's Bob Singleton's fault, to be completely honest, because in high school, he taught us how to enunciate and how to speak with our diaphragm and do all this stuff aggressively, but I 
I did it aggressively. It's not his fault. Uh, it's just I speak in a certain way now because of him. So that part is his fault as far as how I enunciate and have all my Lessac vowels very clear. So the tweet that I tweeted out, and I'll be brief about this, I said that UIL should not be competing this year. And let me clarify, they should not be competing this year. There should be no competition. Having a festival, if you want to, having some sort of homage to plays and doing shows, I think that is all fine and dandy without an audience. But the fact that people need to travel from spot to spot to spot, and you're not going to have your cast of characters that you would normally have because maybe parents won't let them act in a show, maybe they're just not face-to-face, all different types of elements, we shouldn't be doing it this year. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. I tweeted it. Quite a few respected directors also voiced their uh, kind of uh, appreciation and their uh, they, they backed it. I can't think of the English right now. English is not my first language. It is Hebrew. Thank you. Anyway, once again, I hope you enjoy this uh, interview from Allison Frost. I made that sound desperate. This is a great interview, and Allison Frost is the greatest person alive. Enjoy. I started teaching at Klein Forest High School in the fall of 1985. So I taught there for five years and then um, I thought I was going to go teach overseas for a while Okay. and Operation Desert Storm kind of put a halt to that. Sure. And um, I then was hired at Klein High School, which was also my alma mater. That's where I graduated from. And I was at Klein for almost 12 years and uh, I taught one year at Tomball High School. Um, and so uh, almost 20 years, not quite, but, uh, you know, had you, had you had aspirations of moving to sort of the collegiate university level? You know, that's kind of interesting. (laughs) I, you know, I recognize my age when I realized there really is a before and after the internet. Um, And when I graduated from undergrad, I went to an undergrad that gave me an amazing education. I mean, an an amazing education. And when I graduated, it was like, bye, see ya. There was no class. There was no emphasis on what you do after you graduate. So (laughs) I actually went home, moved all my stuff, moved back home like college kids do put an ad in the Houston Chronicle want ads for a Renaissance artist. Okay, never do that. <laughs> the responses I got are, are beyond right. embarrassing. So <laughs> surely that was not the way to get a job. Um, and uh, as luck would have it, my dad had somebody that was looking, well, it was a, it was a communication gap. I thought I was going for an interview to be somebody that ran a corporate slide presentation studio okay. where they're always doing, you know, public long before PowerPoint, PowerPoint didn't exist. Right. And so literally slides in carousels. And, and I was like, Oh, I can totally do that job. I got, I got those skills. So I went for this interview and the guy, the guy thought I was there to be a telemarketing specialist. And I was, and we both laughed and went, oh, ha, 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 ha. So here I am down in downtown Houston, 
um, in Greenway Plaza, which is currently where the Church of Joel yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Fakewood and, Church is what I call it. But anyway, I shouldn't have yeah. said that. Anyway. <laughs> it's always the Church of Joel to me. Yeah. But in my heart of hearts, it's the summit. Yes. Which used to be the premier concert going, basketball, whatever, stadium. So in my dress for success wool suit with my little pale yellow tie and my pristine high heels, I stumble over to the summit, to the back door, knock, knock, knock. The guy lets me in and I say, um, I'm a technician, although I didn't look like one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I walked in and I met this guy and they, he introduced me and he worked for a company that was in charge of doing all the video work for um, the summit. He gave me a tour. I walked around the studio and I say, thank you very much. And then I stumble back to my car in my high heels, probably with blisters. <laughs> and, um, and then I get home and I pull out the Houston Chronicle and I look to see what's coming to the summit next. No internet, right? right? So I'm literally having to look through the newspaper. And Sesame Street Live <laughs> is on its way. And so I have his card and I call him and I say, Tim, can I, um, can I come hang out during Sesame Street Live and just watch what you guys do? And he goes, we're actually not working Sesame Street Live. But he said, can you pull cable? I was like, sure. He's like, all right, I got a job for you. You're going to work the Cars concert. <laughs> okay, child of the 80s, right. the Cars was my favorite band. Right. So my first gig out of undergrad was pulling cable for the Cars, and they were being filmed for HBO. Wow. Or MTV, one of the two. Yeah. So I hung up. I hang up from him, and I'm like, yes, I got a job. And then I call my old tech director, and I say, what it means to pull cable i didn't know yeah. i totally lied <laughs> so i i get to the i get to the summit and i i tell and back in the day this is what a cable puller does cameraman has camera on his shoulder and he's tied to some tethered yep. outlet somewhere it's the cable puller's job to make sure he doesn't get hung up on right. things that people don't step on it so that this $25,000 camera didn't go flying off his shoulders. I cable pulled for three years. I worked, <laughs> I worked concerts. I worked basketball games. I worked baseball and football. And um, I got to know the rocket players intimately because I sat at their feet every night. I was always on the cameraman <laughs> that would go out and shoot the free throws. So that's, that's fun. That was my first real gig. Um, and I did that while I, I also went, I mean, I wasn't, didn't pay enough to, to live on. Right. So I answered an ad that was in the Houston Chronicle for the Alley Theater. And they were looking for somebody who worked in the box office. I'd never worked in the box office a day in my undergrad. I was always backstage. I never worked front of house. But I learned a new skill and I worked in the box office and then I would um, volunteer. Uh, one of the leading, uh, he's not a playwright, although I think he has written plays. Michael Bigelow Dixon helped make the Humana Festival what it was. Okay. 
And the Alley Theater had him for a brief shining moment where they were to, they were trying to do at the Alley what the Humana Festival has become in, in Louisville. And I used to read plays for Michael. $10 a play. Um, I would bring my my wrench because in an under in my undergrad I was a directing design major so I had lots of tech experience. I worked the box office at the alley and then volunteered to help light on light focuses and all that kind of stuff. Worked there and um, had just accepted a position to be an assistant stage manager backstage when the gig at Klein Forest happened. And that was a funny interview because um, I had interviewed with the department head, Steve Bradley, for the job. He had interviewed two other women. So we called ourselves Bradley's Angels. <laughs> um, but I didn't know I had the job. Nobody, nobody confirmed that I'd been hired. Um, because I lived in Klein School District, I knew when the first day of in-service was going to be. So right. I showed up and went to the front office. And thankfully, my name had been put on a mailbox, and that's how I knew I had my first wow. teaching gig. Wow. Was anything yeah. in the mailbox? <laughs> <laughs> like, was there a free shirt or something? Or <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember. So we, really we, have, don't. we have very similar parallels because I, I, my first gig, it was at a high school, not college, was at Fitzgerald's. Um, and I was the lighting guy at Fitzgerald's, and I worked. The first show was the Mighty Mighty Boston's. And now you said... You know, I was born in the 80s. I don't mean to do that to you, but, okay. uh, you know, my, my music love is the 90s. And yeah. the, so the Mighty Mighty Boston's to me, I was like, oh my gosh. And mind you, I had like eight Parkans and two Fresnels. And so I'm just <laughs> sitting there pressing a button, uh, you know, yeah. on, on rhythm, which luckily I knew the music, but, um, yeah. but also the, the cable pulling thing. So that's kind of funny uh, because that's a job that I've never, I've never done that, but it's one of those jobs that's always been offered to me because I've always been a technician. Um, yeah. I've just never done, I see those people just rapping. You know, nowadays, I don't, I don't think there is much in demand. Anymore, not as much. So many of those cameras are wireless now. Yeah, not as much. I will say, and I, and most people that are fans of this podcast know this, I'm an, I'm an outed uh, wrestling fan. So uh, in the WWE, those cameras are all still tethered. And so they all have uh, cable pullers. Um, okay. And I don't know why, I don't know if it's like a better signal or more reliable signal or what, yeah. but um. I, you know, that's the, I worked not wrestling. I may have worked one wrestling gig, but I, I tell you, I re, I remember working the boxing matches mm -hmm. and nothing will get those people riled up more because those people in the front seats at the boxing you matches, their way. a lot of money <laughs> and you put a cable, a cameraman and a cable puller in front of them. Yeah. And they kept trying to pull me off the platform yeah. and then some guy would get punched and I'd go home and my shirt would be covered in blood. <laughs> wow. And my mom was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just worked a boxing match. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you murder tonight? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why did you, what happened? You kind of quickly went into it, but why did you uh, end up transitioning to education? I knew in my heart of hearts that that was going to be my dream job. Okay. I knew when I was um, growing up in in my formative years, uh -huh. um, I spent every summer at a YMCA summer camp. And I started out as a camper yeah. and worked my way up. One summer I was assistant camp director because I actually wasn't gonna go to camp that work camp that summer and then things fell through and they said, Yeah, come on, we've got we've got a place for you. 
But uh, I spent many, many summers um, at this YMCA camp, which is one of the reasons why I love our camp on the coast so much. It's my favorite activity that we do on our campus. Are, are um, you an athlete? Or were not or? at all. Okay. No. So what were no. you doing? What was I? I didn't. I wasn't a YMCA kid. I was a Jewish community center camper. So <laughs> I, I had a different experience. Well, it was it was a it was a full on. You know, they had zip lines and riflery and water okay. skiing and archery and hiking and camping and camping out. And uh, the there was one summer where they said, we're so tired of skit night and seeing the same old skits. Uh, Allison, you're the theater person. You're gonna prepare skit night from now on. So I became their kind of bona fide- Producer. <laughs> uh, producer of shows. Yeah. And my last summer there, um, I did, I worked all summer. There were five sessions at camp and there were these, uh, these two boys one of them who was really a, a lover of theater and performing, uh, they would come to camp like four or five sessions. So I cast Brian in session one and I said, you're gonna do this in session five. And I did a full on production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor <laughs> Dreamcoat. Yeah. And I had uh, a, a camper played Joseph in act one and a counselor played adult joseph in act two when he's gonna have sex right. with potiphar's wife and all that kind of stuff so i didn't have spoiler alert by the way Jeez. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway um I, I i yeah i was just i choreographed i found music i rewrote songs um i i do remember the youngest boys cabin cabin one um they went out to the woods and they found their own little cane and in their crafts class, they made hats. And we just did this, like, I'm getting married in the morning. <laughs> where, I did Broadway at this YMCA camp in Oklahoma. Yeah. Where were the, where were the shows? Was there, was there like, they had an air conditioned chapel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not, that's where I did it. <laughs> wow. It's an appropriate show, I guess, than if it's in a chapel. So, yeah. You know, yeah, can't do rent, although that you wouldn't have been doing rent then, but oh, still. No. But yeah. I did, you know, my my sophomore, no, freshman year in college, we did a, a Western musical and um, the lead female runs a saloon. And I took one of those numbers and adapted it for a, a, a cabin full of girls. That was the first pushback I ever got, like, why are you having these girls playing these saloon <laughs> girls? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Whatever. It's, it's theater. <laughs> Have you, uh, you mentioned that you, um, th your transition from college into the real world was just kind of like throw you out into the ocean. Have yeah. you, have you at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, have you implemented some sort of like, Oh my gosh. Reality uh, class yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm teaching one now called senior seminar. And my student, I just emailed my student students, as a matter of fact, because of the COVID testing, um, we're going to have to do their presentations on WebEx tomorrow, yeah. but um, they're doing a five minute presentation where they have to talk about themselves and their art to right. a committee, a committee of people. Um, so this, we have a senior seminar class that's designed to help them get ready to um, promote themselves as artists when they graduate. I teach an audition prep class, which is like 
an actor toolbox class of here's how you pound the pavement. Here's what you're going to have to do. These are resources. These are all the kinds of things you're going to confront. And then, you know, basically here's all the tools. I hope you put them to use when you get out there. Right. <laughs> and then our technicians have a portfolio class. Right. So yeah, it's, it's infinitely better design. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna say better design. I really did get an amazing education. They just, and they have, even that university has amended what didn't happen sure. yeah, yeah. back in the 80s. So I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Have. Uh, have. Is, do you find that the kids are more prepared for college than they are for college to real world? You know, I have a current student right now who uh, for four years, I think he's known exactly wanted to do what he wanted to do the day he's graduate, the day he graduates. And he's been working and banking money and saving for his new life in Chicago. Um, I think he's going to do fine. Yeah. I think he's, he's going to be great. And then there are some that, you know, they start out thinking one thing and in four years of study, they go a different direction. I was the same way. Um, I went to, I went to a junior college first and then transferred to a four-year school. And I started out, I got a scholarship with a set design that I submitted. And I went in as a technician. While I was there, I became the master electrician for my entire sophomore year. And we installed a light board even. Um, And then um, when I transferred, I, I was, uh, I was thrilled at the idea of becoming a scene painter that one of the faculty members painted this set that I went to go see their show. And this is gorgeous marble. I didn't know you could even paint marble. I, I just had no clue um, about about the scene design stuff. And so I was, thought I was going to be a scene painter. And then I took a directing class and everything <laughs> changed. Yeah. And my love and appreciation for all aspects of theater just they just landed in that class and I right. never looked back. I, it... I've done a lot of scene painting. I've hung a lot of lights. Right. My first five years teaching at Klein Forest, I was the technical director. So I did most of the designing and uh, tech work there with a, an amazing group of students that I'm still very close to. Right. Yeah. Do you, did you ever act? I mean, were you ever on stage? Uh, that's going to be the part you want to edit out. <laughs> I'm infinitely better at crafting a performance in someone else that's than fine. I am and getting myself to do it. But I will tell you, um, I, when I was auditioning for graduate school to get my MFA, um, I had to prepare uh, an acting audition, right. um, even as a director for one of the schools. So... Uh, a couple of months ago, one of my colleagues is directing Lauren Gunderson's Book of Will on Zoom. And at the very end of the play, you see all these all these proof of the years of, of Shakespeare's words being recited over and over, whatever. So she got about 30 people to perform bits of Shakespeare sure. that they all kind of merged and blended together uh, at the end of the zoom play and i did perform a shakespeare monologue for that and so, <laughs> well luckily you don't have to see all of it you can just see a small snippet of it yeah. but it was fine it well, was fine i i used the same monologue that i had used to go to grad school it's a really good one 
you know, I'm, I'm currently doing a staged reading. Uh, we're going to be doing it at an outdoor venue in a week, a week from tomorrow. And one of the things that we've talked about in rehearsal is this will still be, cause it's being recorded. This will still be out there once COVID is done. Uh, so it can't be embarrassing. Like we have to still be good because all this content we're now creating is yeah. going to be in the cloud somewhere. Um, yeah. so, you know, don't screw it up. Uh, which is kind of funny. Cause yeah, it's the same thing. I'm not, I started as an actor, but I have fully, uh, embraced the technician and designer side. Yeah. So, well, you know, I was the mother bunny in third grade and <laughs> there's a great picture of me somewhere on the internet dressed yeah. up like little Swiss miss doing some kind of wooden clog dance for something. So I, you know, when you're little, that's all you can do. I don't remember what um, I did in third grade. <laughs> but. Well, I had, you know, I was, I have been so fortunate that at every stage of my life, at every school I've ever been to, I have found the right mentor sure. to give me what I needed. And my elementary school had, uh, a music and speech teacher. That's what they called it at the time. Yep. Um, and I should do plays in class. I played Becky Thatcher and Tom Sawyer had my first stage kiss in my speech. I think it was probably a peck on the cheek, but sure. You know, um, but she, she directed a play for every season with a different grade from the yep. school. So the third graders did Easter and the sixth graders did Christmas. And I mean, she has been taught. Yeah. Yeah, mine. And so I had an outlet in elementary school, and then, um, oh, worst time of my life. Um, but for all the reasons I'm going to say it was the worst time of my life, it has made my life infinitely better. But in the summer between seventh and eighth grade, my dad said, "Hey, kids, we're going to move to New Jersey." <laughs> okay, we'd been living in. We, I'm a fourth generation Texan. Right. And we'd been living in Oklahoma. So crossing that Mason Dixon line right. was a bit of an education for this little Oklahoma girl. And uh, I, it was, I was miserable. Yeah. The two, the two middle, the two elementary school schools in this small New Jersey town joined in seventh grade and I moved there in eighth grade. So I really was, I felt like cousin it, <laughs> they all had these short Dorothy Hamill haircuts. She was a figure skater. Yeah, very yeah. popular. Wore <laughs> yeah. straight leg corduroys and deck shoes, what we call Sperry's now, I guess. And I show up with hair below my butt and bell bottom blue jeans and red and white cheerleading shoes. Yeah. And, you know, within, within a month, I was talking like I'd lived there. <laughs> I adapted my vocals to sound like I was from New Jersey. Right. I went straight to the beauty shop and got a haircut. My mom had to take me to the mall to go shopping. And it was my English teacher who was directing Annie, get your gun and said, you better audition. I have a part for you. And that really kind of saved the rest of my time in New Jersey right. because it gave me an instant family. And also you, they, they knew your accent was fake and what accent you really had. <laughs> They're like, she'd be great. You know what I, and what was funny is um, when we moved back to Texas, um, right before my junior year, my dad said, okay, we're done. We're done here. We're yeah. moving back to Texas. We're going, 
going to Houston and we were like, yes. And so um, for about the first couple of weeks, you were I from New Jersey. Talked, I still <laughs> talked like I was, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then eventually I just let it fade away. Yeah. Is there, did you ever watch Jersey Shore? I know it's a horrible question to ask somebody no. of your, of your stature. Okay. I was no. just one. I never watched it too. I, I mean, I know, you know, we all know the characters from it because of social media and public, yeah. you know, but I was just wondering I, if there's I'm a, sure they're all real. <laughs> that, that, well, that's what I was getting to is, is, is there anything that you think could have come from that show was that was actually authentic? Cause we know <laughs> the majority of it was not, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess the accents were. Well, and where I lived is that part of New Jersey. I mean, my mother did it right. Every time we had to move as a family, um, the first thing she did was find the best school system. Sure. So um, where we lived, um, all the kids there were being prepped for Princeton, Harvard, right. Yale. They were all being prepped for Ivy League and... Um, I just wanted to do theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me if I wasn't going to get a field hockey scholarship. Right, to right. Princeton. right. Yeah. It's like, I can only take so much of this, uh, these sports <laughs> that aren't even on TV, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, we did one musical a year there. We okay. did uh Brigadoon my freshman year and Fiddler on the Roof. Oh no, I think I reversed that. I think Fiddler on the Roof was my first year sure. and, and, Brigadoon was my second year. I'll get I'll get my that. I'll get my fact checking team on that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> so speak. no, I I took a student. Um, I took a student to. She was a presidential scholar one okay. summer. Yep. And while we were in Washington, um, uh, I was fairly close with her family, and so we we just kind of made this deal, and uh, we rented a car and drove to Carnegie Mellon where she yeah. was going to go to college and then we left Carnegie Mellon and drove to Staten Island and stayed with her aunt and uncle and just did some visiting or right. whatever before we flew back to to uh Texas and I I took the rental car and a map no GPS and went and found my old neighborhood and went back and found that that old school and Sure enough, I found a door that was open and I went inside. I, I was just, it was, un, it was unreal. Right. That is, yeah, that is, it's the memories start flooding back. Yeah. yeah. Was that, well, and, and you know, when I was, when I first got hired at Klein, yeah. which is where I had graduated from, um, I, it didn't feel the same. It didn't really look the same. It smelled the same because it was <laughs> a really old building. Yeah. And then I was coming down from the catwalk on you know ladder and i had forgotten that if you if you came down with your butt sticking out you hit the air conditioner sure so you had to suck your butt and i was coming down one and i remembered that's why i had that pair of jeans with the hole in it all that <laughs> because yeah. i remember in high school i had come down and i ripped my jeans they got caught on the i didn't suck my butt in far enough and uh and so sure enough, we got, I was coming down that ladder and went, I forgot about that. I will never forget that it again. So, that sounds like a horrible idea for a theater shirt. Suck your butt in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, um, what, who was the president when you went up there with the presidential scholar? Was it Clinton or Bush or? Clinton. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It was Clinton. Yeah. The, the, I graduated high school in 2000 and a couple, and it was HSPVA. And so a couple of, uh, friends, 
Um, one is still a very, very close friend of mine. She was a presidential scholar that year and got yeah. to meet uh, Bill Clinton. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right before, right before he left. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, got to walk on the, uh, I, I think at the time I was also a, a runner at jogger, right. not really a runner, but, um, and I remember walking on the jogging track that he had had installed in the Rose Garden, which is where we were meeting. Right. And uh, I was like, oh, I could run so many miles. It, it was like the perfect texture. It was awesome. You have to have a, you have to have a McDonald's burger though. Cause I yeah, think that's, sure. that's always what he always had one of those and then would go run or something, but, uh -huh. or maybe it's the other way around, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is, um, I have a question about, uh, your comparison to high school and college again, and I don't mean to keep going back to this, but this is more okay. fun, but is there a production that you did as a teacher, as a director in high school that you would love to remount with college kids? And, you know, even the fact that, cause I know in colleges you can even recruit outside and get a, uh, uh, people to audition that aren't necessarily at the college. You know, you need a 70 year old man, you can go get a 70 year old man, that kind of thing where you can't do that in high school. Um, yeah. Is there something that you think that you would love to just re-explore? Um, I don't think I've ever worked so hard on a show as I did Crazy for You. Okay. Um, and it was it was huge. Um, it, I mean, half the people in it are you know members of the Screen Actors Guild now and doing very well for themselves. Yeah. Um, that's probably the hardest. I've ever had to work and it might be fun to do that show again in a space that could support it. Right. Right. Cause our, our stage space, I mean, it was, and I can remember, uh, <laughs> we, we, um, the show wound up doing so well. We added an extra performance at the end and didn't even have to advertise it. Everybody just bought tickets because they'd already seen it already. Right. So it was, it was a huge, huge seller for us and made us a ton of money, hmm. which I turned around and spent on our one I played. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Playing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's why we had gorgeous crinoline costumes and, <laughs> and gorgeous, you know, scenery and drapes and all the whole did you, did, that musical had done so well. Did you build a car? Uh, no. Okay. No, is it, we found a way to do the number without the car. Okay. Because there wasn't any place to put the car. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, that show was was infinitely difficult. And I remember my mother and one of her cousins were at our dress, our final dress. <laughs> I had like thirty pages of notes. I'm giving notes until midnight. Yeah. I mean, it's it, and my mom before she left, she goes. Mike and I are going to leave, but you can't open tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that was her note. <laughs> that was my mother's note. You can't open tomorrow. But you know what? That just makes everybody work harder. Yeah. And they do. And, but uh, one, of, one of my uh, uh, students at the time, who's still a friend on Facebook anyway, um, family friend, friend, um, he was going down the hallway one day and, and we always had to rehearse over Christmas right, when right. we did our musicals yeah. so that we could finish before the orchestra had to go do TMEA. So 
we were rehearsing over Christmas and he's going down and he's like, he's exhausted. He also, he also was like a running back for the football team or something. <laughs> I don't know. He was something and was a great football player. And he's coming down the hallway. He goes, you know, if would have done Oklahoma would be done by now. <laughs> <laughs> because that show is just really, yeah. really big. Yeah. But, yeah. It's true. Oh, Oklahoma's yeah. no, no sneeze or anything, but yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and then um, I hired two of the people from that production that were in Crazy for You. Mm-hmm. After they had graduated from college, they came back years later and both choreographed a production I was working on of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And that show doesn't even need a director. <laughs> it needs somebody to help form the concept. Yeah. And it really just needs a choreographer and a music director. Yeah. There was very little for me to do but go, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, maybe he should exit over there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, holy cow, our last night, there were dad. Somebody came to me in the box or in the drama room and said, "They're they're they're uh, they're scalping tickets in the lobby. <laughs> no one for fifty bucks." <laughs> okay. <That's, laughs> yeah. No yeah. big deal to me. Yeah. She's just don't stellar. just don't tell MTI or whoever is. Yeah. Uh, is there a moment, uh, or was it day one that your parents understood the magnitude of theater for you? Oh, I don't know at what time my mother, probably my mother was getting, getting the hint when she said, I'm not taking you to see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang anymore. (laughs) Okay. Because that was the closest thing I had to theater right. was if there was a musical, like I, I saw the Lucille Ball movie version of Mame like eight <laughs> times. And I'll tell you a funny story. I, I do remember my mother dropping me. This was in Tulsa. So I had to have been sixth grade. My mother dropped me off at the movie theater. And I, I, she goes, what are you, are you, she goes, are you seeing Mame again? And I said, no, I think I'm going to see this thing. I don't know what it's about. It's called Pink Floyd. <laughs> And it was a documentary on on Pink Floyd, and I kept waiting for the movie to start. Yeah, like I just thought the name of it sounded fun. Yeah, and so finally there, I remember them sitting in a tent, getting stoned with like pedal drums and whatever. And I was like, I think I'm going to go catch Mame, and I went and snuck <laughs> over to the. This this isn't the sequel to Pink Panther. What is what is no, this? <laughs> but you know, I for for most until I got into that elementary school where I really did I was immersed in theater. Right. My mom figured it out. My my dad and unfortunately for my dad, neither my brother nor my sister. We all did high school theater. Right. Um, they followed in my footsteps. Nobody played football. Nobody played baseball. Yeah. Things that my dad would have understood. Yeah. And of course, my sister um, uh, was a senior my first year to teach at Klein Forest. So she was a senior at Klein Forest. She's okay. one of the best stage managers I ever had. For uh, And she stage managed our one-act play that year. And um, boy, howdy, my dad was like, dad, gum it. I thought I was done with high school theater, but you're now you're going to work in one? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. For a lot of the times, you know, if we were doing a show that I thought my folks, my dad would really like, my mom would bring him along. Otherwise, sometimes I'd just say, just drive up to the theater and let me show you the set I built. Right. Let me show you the set I painted. Is there, you don't have to watch the play. Is there anything that you uh, sacrificed for your interest as far as like 
what you did not like necessarily for your dad? Does that make sense? Like, was there something you did for your dad that wasn't necessarily something you were like hyped about, you know, maybe go to an event that he wanted to go to or, oh. uh, you know what I well, mean? Well, I, I, you know, the fact that my dad didn't necessarily like high school theater, <laughs> he didn't like the alley either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the alley did the alley did back in the, back in the seventies, they hired Robert Simons to do George Bernard Shaw's Don Juan in hell. I think, I think that about killed my father <laughs> and my mom was never going to get him because Back, they, yeah. he, they were like part of the six couple. Let's all get subscriptions. Sure. And let's go. Um, so he didn't like that either, but you know, he worked for the phone company his whole life. And part of their job in the corporate world was to donate yourself as a board member somewhere for some nonprofit. Yeah, sure. My dad became chairman of the board of Houston Ballet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he went to the ballet and loved it. Yeah. He was always a fan of, of classical music. He didn't, I mean, he didn't go, oh, Bach or yeah. whatever. He just liked big sound and he always had big hi-fi speakers. He had the best. We always had one of the scariest houses at Halloween because he'd make these recordings and, you know, sure. put pantyhose over his face and scare <laughs> people. Um, but he was very big into hi-fi and big music and things like that. So um, he loved the ballet. He goes, it's like the athletics of the Olympics. It's got the music of the symphony and it has the story of the theater that was his idea of a good time sure so i i don't think i just don't think he ever saw really good theater you know i uh, hamilton might not have been up his up his alley but um you know there's there's other things that that are out there that um you know he loved the sound of music right because that was i remember that was an argument one time we'd gone out to as a family to go eat pizza and I said, sound of music starts at seven o'clock. Let's go. And my dad said at seven oh five, we've missed the best part. <laughs> the best part was the scenery and the opening yeah, credits. The first part so. of it. That's pretty funny. So he, at least he was uh, appreciated the arts though. It he wasn't did. like he just poo-pooed it or something. No, so, yeah. but he, he, to know my dad is to know a fishing rod. Okay. okay. That was his passion. <laughs> okay. His favorite thing was to go get on his boat in the right. middle of nowhere and drink beer and fish. Yeah. I don't hate that. Yeah. No. And you know, my passion since, uh, is gardening. Okay. And I, I can think tell, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a visual of... podcast, but clear, you know, <laughs> what, what you see behind you tech, it tells me that you have a green thumb. Yeah. It, but I, you know, I think it's part of the yin and the yang. I spent half my life in a, in a dark theater with no right. windows and you got to come out into the sunshine and, um, uh, Kelly Russell and I both share the same doctor and he's given us both the same advice, get out of the theater and get into the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. some vitamin D. Yeah. That's good advice. I think that's, yeah. I mean, you can tell how pale I am on screen, but so <laughs> speaking of your green thumb then, cause my wife is uh, a green thumber. And so I've kind of by, I've dug way too many trenches and done too much of that. Uh, I've never done it before, but I've got to say it is very good satisfying and gratifying to uh grow something and yeah. then have a result you know yeah. uh and it's also on the flip side it's very 
disappointing when you think you're growing something and it's disappointing when you pay ten dollars for a flat of something you put them in the dirt and they all die yeah, yeah. <laughs> and where, i don't blame myself then i say there's something wrong with what i bought where have you had a harder time uh to grow things uh well I, i've had to adjust yeah um we had a 30 year old norfolk pine in this backyard that we cut down uh, less than a year ago. Okay. So we've gone from shady backyard to sunny backyard. Yeah. So I've gone from planting impatience to petunias. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I, I just, I, I don't really think I, I'm not a, I'm not a landscaper. Right. I just like to put color where color's going to grow. Right. And, um, it's, you know, my best friend in England had her guard, had a picture of her garden in some gardening magazine. Right. And it was stunning. And she goes, oh, darling, they wanted to know where I special ordered everything from. And I told them I got it at the grocery store. You know? <laughs> What's I'm the, just what, I, I'll buy a plant at H-E-B. I yeah. go to, there are a couple of landscapers in Corpus that I try to support before I go to the big chains. Right. Yeah. But, what What is like, I see a bunch of stuff behind you is is a lot of that stuff store bought or, and, and you just keep it going or is it? Yeah. You, and, and, you know, if I get, um, I'm kind of, I can't feel free, yeah. point to, but I do have, um, we have a prayer plant. Okay. And two things that belong to my wife's grandparents. Okay. Um, the prayer plant was a gift when her grandfather died and that's probably 20 years ago. Right. It, it's still, I'm still, it's still alive. Right. I, I just keep splintering it off and, and um, putting it in other things so it won't die out. And then her grandmother had some fern. And okay. you know, some of that fern, as long as it gets water, you can't kill it. No, <laughs> no. So, yeah. uh, I'm a little, I'm a little um, uh, soft hearted about trying to maintain those. She could care less. Right. I mean, she likes the prayer plant. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 if the fern goes, it's fine. Again, it's, again, we're, 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 meeting at the same level here. Cause my, yeah. my mother passed away in 2006 and, uh, one of the, she was not a gardener, but she had kind of this display of plants smaller than what you have, but it was probably eight plants. And yeah. so my sister was trying her darndest just to keep them alive. Cause she, you know, it's, it's one of those weird psychological things that this is keeping mo our mom alive. Right. So it's not weird. I shouldn't say it's weird, but it's, it's just a, it's a coping mechanism, you know? Um, and then when I met my wife, my sister was like, take these, <laughs> you know, and because she was more of a green thumb. And so I think we yeah. still have a couple, uh, that, that are living on, you know, 14 yeah. years later. So, so yeah. I totally, I have, I have some moms that are at least seven years old. Uh, um, they just come back every year yeah. and they've changed colors. So they started out that kind of rust colored mom that you yeah. can get and they're, they're bright yellow now. Okay. That's, That's fun. <laughs> this is, this is why we do, I do this podcast. It's it not, <laughs> who cares about the theater stuff? I want to yeah, know. Right? Yeah. I want to know about the real Allison Frost. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I want to wrap up, uh, don't better keep that than baking. Let me just say you, better that than I baking. I tried to make a pie the other day. Uh, I just threw the whole thing in the trash and didn't let anybody taste it. But can you cook? cook see I, just, I can't bake right that's the difference between patience and impatience i mean that's it's it's 
baking, you have to level things off. And if it says a cup, it's got to be a cup. Yeah. Uh, cooking, you just pour it on, you know, and it but looks But I am right. one of those people, I, truly, my, my wife, my sister, and my mother can open the refrigerator door and see a meal. <laughs> I open the refrigerator door and go, okay, there's a bag of lettuce. I guess yeah. I'll have that. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see recipes. Right. I don't live that way. Do you watch oh, Chopped? I'll eat this whole can of green beans. Yeah. Okay. Do you watch Chopped? Uh, have you ever seen it? I have seen yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Our family's a real big fan of Patty's Mexican Table. Okay. 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 Yeah. That's interesting. That, All right. That one plays a lot. Yeah. You sound like you sound like somebody that would be horrible at Chopped, but it, it would be fun to watch you do it. Oh yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, we've had. Although I'll, I'll I'll be more than happy to sit on the other end. <laughs> right. And taste, and taste it. Right. Make. Sure. Yeah. You'll be a judge. Uh, it's just a matter of. Yeah. You're not going to be able to tell them how to make it better. Right. Nope. Yeah. Not in a million years would I want to um, lessen the impact that my college education has afforded the students that I have now sure. and the alumni that I have. So um, I, I do think that maturity and time is a great educator. So I don't know that I taught any differently at the end when I taught high school than I do um, at the collegiate level. I mean, yes, I can elevate sure. expectations. Um, but uh I'm a big believer that the hardest part of theater is being a good collaborator. And um, I'm always looking for ways to get students to experience collaboration. Um, Cause the more you do it, the better you get and you figure out how to work with, with other people. Um, but I will tell you right now, I am, I had a nice little, as my mother would call it, a come to Jesus meeting with um, some of my seniors the other day. Um, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to blame COVID. COVID may be a part of it because right now everything in the world feels differently and how we're getting through school, like you had said, virtually, not virtually, some face-to-face, -face, some not face-to-face. I, ha I overheard a student say the other day, I didn't do anything yesterday and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so the whole idea of I didn't do anything, if they're doing less because they're doing it online, right. that bothers me. Because as an artist, I want, I want my students to stay curious about what it is we do and what it is we create. Right. Um, I, I think sometimes with this particular generation, and I'm sure it's seen at the high school level as well. iPhones and instant wiki answers. Um, I think it's dampened our curiosity because you get an immediate answer and then you move on. Yeah. Instead of going, but what about this? But also what about this? What if I look at this one thing from this direction, this direction, this direction, and this direction? How can I approach this? And I think I'm, I'm, I'm starting a curiosity campaign on my campus because I think our students need to reinvest, re, reinvestigate what that is. And 
I'm not so certain that the pandemic that we're in right now has kind of dulled everybody's senses yeah. a little bit, and I don't want it to. Yeah. Minor